Hi, my name is Kevin McDonald, and I'm declaring my independence. Independence from what? Why, negative thoughts and energy, of course. Chief among them, hate, division, and fear. You see, I know that we're all one, and together we can solve any problem, save our planet and each other. Please, join me as we come together as one and choose a better way to be. So now, let's begin with my independence report. And welcome, everybody, to my independence report. Uh, my name is Kevin McDonald, and uh, you're listening to us here. And there's a bunch of us in the studio today. First of all, Eric Hall, who is uh, always here, and uh, he's smoking again, which is really good for him. Anyway, and Matt, <laughs> Matt uh, Shea, the author, go to mattsheabooks.net, and you can find out all about him. And I want to introduce a young lady that has uh, joined the, the uh, joined the program, and her name is Kayla May, and she is right there, and she's uh, associate producer of my Independent Report, and she's doing a tremendous job. And she brought somebody along with her that is going to uh, talk to us today about uh, some reforging and the Indian way and some really cool stuff. So, uh, Kayla, who did you bring with us? You. I brought in my wonderful Aunt Georgie. Um, so, welcome in, Aunt Georgie. <laughs> to be welcome. Here. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. We're and excited uh, to have you. Yes, yes, ma'am. And uh, Eric, we're going to start off with you because you were really interested in this topic. You are yourself of Indian ancestry. And uh, so uh, do you have any questions for uh, uh, Georgie to start? Oh, so many. You know, it, it's exciting to uh, meet someone that practices uh, the old ways. It always is because uh, it's not done as much as, you know, it probably should be done considering where we're at in the food market because as uh, people know so much of our food comes from different parts of the country we're way over reliant on food from well mexico and um uh, florida other parts of the world and we all know that the northwest has an abundance of food wonderful foods available here and it's terrific to meet somebody that has an active knowledge of, of those and how to gather them and how to use them. So I'm just excited to hear uh, what your practices are, your priorities, your different seasonal preferences, uh, et cetera. So, um, gosh, this is uh, May. Uh, what, what's on your list for upcoming months? Yeah, so that's definitely the key right there is like getting out and knowing what is coming up each month, you know, um, and to think about being sustainable too. You have to think about how far you have to travel to get these different foods and stuff. We never used to have to travel that far. Um, so I try to rehome, I call it rehoming things as much as possible and to grow what I can on my own property. Um, so spring just passed, so mushroom, well, we're still kind of in some of the mushroom harvesting seasons. We'll get some different chanterelles and uh, morels and the oyster mushrooms have been popping. So getting out there and getting a few of my favorites. So there's always ones that I will travel and forage and climb through the bushes to get. <laughs> and mushrooms are definitely one of them because they're not as easy 
to cultivate. I mean, you can, it's just, it takes a little bit more um, time. Um, Georgia, so, yes. While, while you're there, wild mushrooms scare me because I keep hearing <clears throat> that, that if you eat the wrong kind, they'll kill you. Um, how do you know which ones not to eat? Well, I mean, it's basically, for me, I think the best way to approach that, one, is going with somebody who knows that can introduce you to um, specific types that we have available and learning a few of them and knowing which ones are poisonous lookalikes or what are the features that define a specific um, species. So once you have a couple down that you know really well, you know, like, wow, I'm getting to know this. You're building a relationship with that specific one. And you're starting to learn a little bit more as you go along. Got it. Uh, Matt, do you have a question? No, not yet. I'm just loving this. That was a good question about the mushrooms because I love mushrooms. However, it doesn't mean all of them. <laughs> not the ones I'm a big fan of mushrooms myself. Yeah, me too. So, Georgie, tell us a little bit about your background. Where you are of Indian ancestry? Um, or... Yes, I am a Slinket native from the Sanyuquan clan in Saxman, Alaska. I was born into the tribe there, but I grew up in the Haida village with the Kaigani people um, wow. on Prince of Wales Island. And oh, cool. out there, we didn't have electricity or running water. No hospitals, no stores, no police, you know, I mean, definitely a different way of living. Um, yeah, so that's where I lived for a long period of time and slowly integrated into the rest of the world. So when I turned 18, I definitely wanted to get out and explore and stuff, but that's definitely my background. And I'm also a wilderness instructor and teach at Bastyr and a few other places, um, plants, and how to um, forage and live in harmony with the land in a good way where we're not taking more than we need. And uh, let, let, let's uh, talk to you. Um, now, one of the things that we do here, Georgie, is that uh, people can, if you're listening and you want to make a comment, you can do that by just going to the comment section and typing it out. And Malika, uh, I think. Michaela. Yes. Thank you, Michaela. Uh, do you have any, <laughs> thank, thank you there. Uh, do you have any book resources for people who don't have other people to go with them to know which are safe and which aren't? Um, let's see. I think all my books are out in my shop. But if you're practicing plants, there's a number of um, different field guides that you can use. So there's like definitely look into field guides. For plants, um, I use POJAR a lot of the time, and that one helps you know what parts to look at. Um, and then there's some other ones that you can get that are more specific that will narrow it down to different plants by color of flower and stuff like that, which I think is a little bit easier than just diving into POJAR. Um, as far as mushrooms go, Mushrooms Demystified is a really great book. Paul Stamens puts out a lot of excellent material that you can look up. And then also the Native Plant Society is a great resource um, that you can look up online and you can type in an area and get a list of um, names of plants that grow in that area. And from there, you can then research a little bit further on those plants and what they look like. And you teach at Bastyr, so I imagine um, people can look up 
Bastyr University. That's in Juanita, Kirkland, right? Correct. Um, yes, yes, on Juanita Drive. Juanita Drive. So people. I used to live right there. there. Did you? Oh. That's right. Yeah, yeah. So there's a number of classes I teach the ethnobotany part there. Mm -hmm. um, I work with another co-instructor, and I'm the one that does a lot of the hands-on. Um, so I'm the lab instructor or professor and I teach the ethno portion so I really love having a platform where I can really bring in a different perspective of how we can walk more gently on the land and the idea of we're all a human race living on a planet that supports our very being and how can we also support it and care for it that's fascinating Caleb you have a question uh, yeah, I, I kind of want to know, can you go foraging anywhere? Yeah, you can. I mean, there's plants everywhere. There's some things that you want to take into consideration um, when you're out there. And so we think about like, where are the plants growing? Do they spray it with pesticides? Um, is it next to a really busy road? And then like, um, if it is next to a road, you might want to go more up on the high side. So if the road kind of tilts, because rain comes down and it gets on the blacktop and then that oil and stuff runs into the plants down there. So just being aware of that, um, being aware of whose property you're on, asking permission and being respectful, but you basically have plants right outside no matter where you're at. And chances are they're gonna be medicinal or edible or both. That's amazing. So I, I imagine you cook a bit. I do sometimes. I mean, yeah. So, so, so Matt, Matt just caught a couple of trout. Yeah. yeah. So now, so maybe using some foraging methods out of, let's say, the backyard or, or in the neighborhood, what might go as some trout? Okay. So I'm restricted to what I could get in my backyard. <laughs> or the neighborhood um, park. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of different things that you can get. It depends on the time of year. So if I was trying to stick with things that are just right offhand, sometimes smart weed um, gives off seeds. If it's the right time of year, that is kind of spicy or the leaves are kind of spicy. Um, there's also another really great plant. Um, if you look outside and maybe one of these days I'll show you, but look up, um, sheep sorrel. So sheep sorrel has a very lemony burst of flavor to it. So you could totally chop up some, uh, sheep sorrel and that grows everywhere. And you'll get that punch of lemon that a lot of people like to put on fish. So I would definitely use some sorrels. There's wood sorrel, which looks like a giant clover. And the wood sorrel usually lives in the woods, you know, more. Where sheep sorrel you'll find on the edges of disturbed rocks or on the edges of gardens and stuff like that. Wonderful. How long have you been working on this? That's, that's, <laughs> I, everything, when I go outside, it just looks, you know, like, I don't know, green to me. Yeah, and, yeah that's what we call the wall of green. <laughs> <laughs> but you've got so many, so many names of different stuff. How long have you been studying this, and how long, and how the how long did it take you to, to learn everything that you? Um, well, I grew up in the village, so there was a lot of stuff my grandmother and my mother used, and things that we harvested and ate just in the wild because that's what we did when we um, 
would be out during the day. We never came home for lunch because there's resources everywhere. I mean, we ate off the beach, we ate off the bushes, you know. Um, we'd have a chunk of dried uh, smoked fish in our back pocket. <laughs> so, I mean, starting from there, I mean, I guess you could say my entire life, but I've been um, an instructor for a little over 10 years teaching different parts of, you know, living off the land and with the land. That's fascinating. That's just fascinating. Um, um, Kayla, do you have another question? Um, <clears throat> I want to talk about wild lettuce. Let's talk about that and the meaning that it, it does. Cause I actually, you gave me some and I tried it and, and I want you to explain to people um, about wild lettuce. So did you like it? Did it work? Um, yes, actually it did, but the taste was totally atrocious. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I liked it, but yes. I hated it. Do you remember when your mom used to say it's good for what ails you? <laughs> My mom used to say that all the time. It's good for what ails you. Um, there's a lot, and that's something I've been trying to work on is like getting, um, who uh, medicines incorporated into um, methods that are easier to take. Um, wild lettuce is one of the ones that I've been working with for the past couple of years because you can read and study about specific plants and stuff and all of them are going to be good for arthritis. They're all going to be good for colds and flus and things like that. But then you can take, break it down even further and say what kind of cold do you have? Is it a dry cough or a wet cough? You know, and so it's not enough information sometimes just to read about stuff. It's not until you start doing the field work. So I have a lot of guinea pigs, you know, um, that are willing to work with me as I move forward. But I always never give anybody anything I don't do myself, of course. Um, but wild lettuce is amazing. It is definitely a lettuce and even your cultivated varieties of lettuce um, carry pain numbing qualities to it and constituents and stuff. And wild lettuce is a wonderful plant ally that I have used with my neighbor who has had pinched nerves in his neck and couldn't turn his neck. Um, and it worked after the first dose and my husband who has lower back pains and stuff, and even myself, you know, um, from old injuries and things like that. So I've been really exploring more of the different types of pain that the wild lettuce works on. And with natural um, medicine and stuff, you can't necessarily, it's not like Western medicine where you go in and they say, oh, you got this and I'm going to um, prescribe this. So we're individuals, we all get treated as individuals and different plants are going to work for different people differently because we're different. And when you use an entire plant, you're using all of the constituents that support each other. That was kind of lengthy, sorry. <laughs> no, that's all right. Now, um, Michaela, who has chimed in again, and she wants to know, where is some of your favorite places to go forage? That is a really wonderful question. And that is like... Sometimes we have to guard our secret places. We can't just put it out there for everyone to learn to know because we don't know who's going to be honorable. Um, and this is a thing that is an ancient teaching among many, many tribes is that knowledge wasn't just for sale. 
It wasn't something that people could just go out and buy. They had to demonstrate that they were going to be honorable and walk on the planet and respect the things around them. Um, as children, we weren't even allowed to harvest uh, cedar bark or anything like that until we demonstrated that we were going to walk in the forest gently and that we weren't just going to be running around mindlessly picking and grabbing everything. And so I'll, although I would love to share all my spots, I just I can't I can't indulge that. But I definitely would encourage you to get out and start um, doing some of the work. We call it dirt time. You know, if you want to find the treasure, you got to dig, you got to get in there, you got to do the work. Um, and the way you can do that is learn like, okay, what plant could my body use? What am I being called to as far as a particular plant that might support my body and the things that it needs? And then learn about that plant. Matt? A while back, I was talking to someone who knew a great deal about nature, the woods, honoring uh, sacred land and everything. And he told me that often when you see a bear or a deer, they are specifically eating something knowing that it will cure the element that they're looking to have cured, that they have picked. That's what you're saying. Do you yeah. know anything about that? Um, yeah, definitely. I mean, we watch the animals and we learn from so much from them. You know, we can incorporate a lot of their behaviors into our life, um, which to a degree that is true. And I love the theory that we can do that. And there's definitely some specific um, plants that we have learned help us in a few different ways. Um, but there's also animals that like dogs will eat their own poop. You know, and we are not as humans going to go do that just because the dog does that. You know, so there's certain things that maybe our human stomachs may not be able to digest in the same way. So I don't think that that would be a safe rule to just apply like, oh, hey, I seen this animal eating this. So I'm going to start eating it, too. Does that make sense? Yes. Certainly about the, the eating your own poop part. That makes <laughs> a lot of sense. No good. <laughs> Uh, I have a question for the two of you. How different is the Indian way of life or the Native American way of life and how it was in the old days versus what's happening today? How, how different, what was, your, what was your spiritual philosophy, your, your physical philosophies of, of living day to day? Oh, you're asking both of us? Okay. Yeah, um, Eric, Eric, do you want to go first? Oh, you know, um, I think your answer will be shorter. I yeah, I'm pretty much an urban. I'm pretty much an urban Indian, if that's even a term. Like uh, I didn't find out I was native until I was fifty. Wow. You know, so I have very little to talk about, and I served on the the council for a few years, and I, I learned what I could, but I didn't grow up in the old ways. You know, and I didn't have the benefit of being on in a, in a uh, traditional Maya tribe. Uh, so I'm really not a, a person that can answer that question, although I've read and I, I've talked to people that have uh, experienced that, but I, I'm really not a person that can answer that. This is why I'm so excited that Georgie is here to talk about these things. Now, so that's Georgie, a really, yeah, that's a really good question. Um, and there's so many... 
aspects and perspectives on that, that I could really blow that thing up. But um, short answer as much as short as I can get. Um, I think about that, you know, and today's world is like so many tribes and um, nationalities in general. I feel like we all originated from tribes that lived in harmony with the land around us. And um, through Western or conquer, whatever that mentality is, where you have to go out and conquer and be the boss of everything and have the most, um, we've all been broken apart. And we're all like finding ourselves in places where we long to know who we are and that attachment that our people once had. And we all feel alone and abandoned. Um, and I did grow up in a lot of it, but even then being, you know, um, in the era that I was, it was still pretty broken because of the um, relocation programs and a lot of the things that took place where the tribes and stuff no longer lived the way they did. Um, and what happens then is like now we just have bits and pieces. And when I see a big coming back together where we are learning how to live as this community. So my experiences growing up is we definitely lived way more communally in such a different way, like, the way we respected each other and the way that we just knew it was part of taking care of our families and our elders and the land. Matt? Years back, I had a friend who was a Canadian Mountie who was half Native American Indian, uh, Canadian Indian, and her and a group of friends got together and I was present and they said that we are the last generation that will hear the Cree language spoken. They formed a circle and they sounded like owls hooting, kind of wow. that type of sound. But they were talking Cree to one another and they understood each other. And they said within our lifetime, this language of Native American, Native Canadian will, will go extinct. You know, Matt... I still have hope, and I say that because the Lachutzeed people, which uh, Georgia is, you you guys speak Lachutzeed, correct? No, we Northern, speak a Slinket and Haida, but that's part of Lachutzeed. Oh, so, is it? Yeah, I believe so. You guys speak Northern Lachutzeed, and we speak Southern Lachutzeed, which is a lot of over. Overlap. Overlap. Yeah, I've heard yeah. that before. Yeah. And even in some of the North Dakota people, we were talking to some of those people. So, but I have hope because the Lachutzees people, the Salish Seas people were saying that, oh, 20, 30 years ago that our language was on its way out. But uh, the Kent School District now has, uh, is teaching Lachutzees. Mm, awesome. And, and more people are speaking Lachutzeed now than, than they were 20 years ago. And as sad as it is to hear that, Matt, uh, I have hope that things are going to change. And, and this is why. With the casinos, which, you know, sounds bad, you know, that uh, tribes have gotten casinos and this is the way that they're making their living now. But they're doing it with uh, old sensibilities, that they're building their infrastructure based on social values. 
yeah. not in the capitalistic manners that uh, maybe Las Vegas does, or maybe the ones you know in Kent or uh, Federal Way. Those those casinos do things, but uh, the other casinos that are like the Tulalips and, and the ones down in Tacoma, they the Muckleshoot. They put money into their people in the housing and education, and they're sending their people into getting um, new technological uh, degrees so those people can come back to those tribes and take care of their communities, you know, their electrical degrees, uh, whatever, plumbing, the, uh, the trades. They're covering all grounds, and they do this for a specific reason. And that reason is that they don't, they are fully aware that they cannot rely on the American government to fulfill their treaty obligations. However, since they have a cash flow themselves, they can rely on their own tribe to supply for themselves. So they're taking their money and building their own infrastructure, which is a big word these days, but their infrastructure does mean beefing up their streams, beefing up their uh, food sources. So they're, they're putting their hunting grounds back together, both the, the water and their forests or whatever they have. They're putting that in place and making sure that their structures for social programs are in place, which includes education, which includes Wi-Fi, which includes everything that will take them into the next centuries that will honor and bring back their old ways. And, and I love that what Katrina is saying, because uh, that is exactly what the tribes here that have access to their own funds. And those guys are also, which is also exciting because this is really not the way that it used to be. But those tribes, you know, back in the old days, we used to rely on a certain amount of trade and, and a certain amount of wars, which included slavery. But these tribes that are getting some funds are putting aside some funds to share with some of the other tribes for their resources. That's, which is which is really awesome. By the way, Katrina says, I'm Icelandic and Irish, and I do believe that I have created my own tribe. That and sounds exciting. Yeah, well, you know, ultimately, uh, we all have to understand that we, we, we all have to create our own tribe, but our tribe needs to be inclusive of everybody that's out there rather than picking and choosing a few and leaving everybody else. Does anybody disagree with that? <laughs> See? Okay, thanks, everybody, for showing up. It's nice to have you here. It's, it's well, there's, you know, I can name a few, but that's just nasty of me. <laughs> <laughs> there's a few people in the world I could do without, yes. Well, you know... I think that, you know, that is a loaded question, you know, I, mean, <laughs> exactly. yeah. I feel like that's where we all have the opportunity to grow and to honor ourselves and to honor other people that we can make it all inclusive, but we're also not letting the devil run rampant in our villages and in our families and stuff like that. And it goes back to being honorable. And that is definitely something that I feel was um, a huge thing in the old days is that honor was a real thing and we all strive to hold that, you know? And so of course in every village, you're going to have difficult people to work with and we have to learn how to navigate around that. But in the, in the, in the old way, wasn't uh, integrity and honor valued above almost anything else? Absolutely. Yes. 
and because honor and uh, integrity is how a society can stay together um, yeah. and, and to grow together because if you're not honorable if you don't have integrity then you're going to cheat on your neighbor you're going to uh, cheat with your neighbor's wife and all that stuff and that's not that's not how you build a community yeah. it's it's and kind we have to honor and have integrity with ourselves in our own bodies in our own uh, way of being you know and to find that balance between honoring others and ourselves and when we do that when and that's being on the journey we're on this journey of becoming and so as we move along we're always keeping in mind honor and integrity and then that's how we move through it you know and it's we have to trust well i mean the universe i trust you know something larger than myself but the forces that be and that is going to direct us in the path that we are meant to be on like what we're doing right here exactly and katrina has an interesting comment as well i have uh bear witness to this practice over the years my cousin is half navajo and the other half irish there's a combination for you um and they do raise their children by traditional methods I'm moved by how close they can be as a family. They pull together and work together, and they use many spiritual techniques as well to heal their loved ones. That is a that's a big key, don't you think? Yeah, yeah, yes, it is a big key. So instead of like um, scenario, we have this all inclusive thing going on, and somebody who has been um, hurt and damaged comes in and starts wreaking havoc within our lovely community that is all peace and love, you know, and then all of a sudden it starts getting us, you know, all itchy and weird, you know, and we have to figure out what we're going to do about it. How are we going to deal with this problem? Do we just toss them out? Because that's not loving the person either. And it's like weighing it out as we go along, be able to sit down and talk and figure out what is the best health, best health plan, right? How do we help people heal? You know, and I feel like that's a big part of it, like learning how to work and navigate and give people chances to be like, I want to be a part of this, or maybe they don't, or maybe it's not the right scenario for them. And I forgot why I got on all that, but where did the question start? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was so long ago. Matt, what do you think? <laughs> well, I'm enjoying this because there's a lot of diversity, but it comes from the same values, the same core yeah. values, as if day one, they've all had that nucleus and to some degree still hold it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah this, this is, this is, a, uh, Caleb, do you have, a, have any thoughts? I, I, nothing. I just, you know, you need to fill your life with nothing but love and light and positiveness. You know, if you let the negativity um, take control, you're not going to get anywhere in life. I mean, look at me a year ago compared to now. I wasn't anywhere a year ago compared to what I am now. So fill yourself with love and light because your family, your friends, your everyone around you, you know, is a positive person. And they fill you with love and light. I have to say something right here because uh, I'm I am not going to let you get away with that because Kayla, you have a group of people who care for you deeply, and I'm not talking about two or three. I'm talking about a bunch of them, 
and uh, your Facebook page um, has been um, talked about or has been uh, liked by over 50, 50 human beings know you and value you. So, and you are just beginning on your search and and moving forward, and it's going to it, you're going to be awesome, and it's going to be wonderful, and you're going to help an amazing amount of people. Just like Eric with what he does, and Matt with his writing, and uh, uh, Georgie with what you do, you you people are all going to help people um, in amazing ways. Eric, do you think so? Oh, absolutely! I think Kayla is an absolutely wonderful person, and I'm excited about what she's bringing to the table. Um, so yeah, and I, I love that sentence that she just said. I think that nails nails the hits the nail on the head and you know we just spoke about exactly what happened to the native americans and why we lost the wars we were taken completely off guard the value systems were so foreign the ethno energies that the europeans brought was absolutely obtuse to our ways of thinking mm -hmm. that uh, we had no way to conceive what the hell they were talking about Plus, they had technological advances that couldn't be dealt with quick enough. And because things were so foreign, and let's be honest, the European culture had been conquering, overcoming completely, religiously, politically, uh, militarily, for hundreds of years since the Romans and before the Romans. They had been so successful at it. This is a mindset. And as fumbling and incompetent as Columbus was. He was not the first one here, of course. You know, the natives are here. And the Vikings were certainly the first white people here. But Columbus was the guy that landed and, and sealed the deal of the native uh, decline because he represented conquest. And that word is expressed as conquest, meaning that they were going to conquer this, uh, this continent. And there was no way for us to conceive that property was owned. And as uh, has been pointed out, there was a lot placed in integrity and a lot placed in honor, so much that, you know, in Northwest culture, potlatch was something that uh, was given. So a family might uh, spend years collecting gifts to share with their tribe. And that's how you attain status. And it might take generations for the status to move ahead, but that's how you claim status in a tribe, by how much you gave to the tribe. Status in European cultures was how much you could gather for yourself, how wealthy you were, how much you provided for yourself and your families. So these opposing these opposing philosophies came head to head. And when you have the technological advances that a uh, warrior, warrior culture brought, the Europeans, it was inevitable with the, hey, we own this property now. This is what you can do. No, we change your mind. They keep setting the bars back. No, now we want you off the land. You don't own this. No, we, we don't uphold these treaties. Sorry, there isn't enough of you to do anything about you. You have to leave. Kept putting the bars back. It was doomed from the beginning. It's only now, in this century, that people are realizing the values 
of villages, of the ethno energies of smaller villages, of smaller uh, economic uh, systems, how much multi generational communities can provide for future generations, that people fully understand the spiritual development that can come out of that and the value that that has. And that's where the integrity and honor of the Native Americans really, uh, really excel. You know, think, go, oh, go ahead. I think that really ties back into what we were saying about what are the differences too, you know, of the ancient ways of being and our modern society too. It's more, um, and that's also when I said, you know, a lot of the things weren't for sale. You know, it's not something you can just conquer. You have to earn it. Exactly. Matt? What I greatly respect about Indian culture is that their ancestors are a part of today's everyday life. They are not gone. Their spirit is very much a part of this as the rest of us are. You know, there was a, there was a guy, and uh, it, it, it bears weight on this discussion. There's a, there was a commentator on CNN, and he was doing a, uh, a presentation somewhere, and he said, before the white people got here, there was nothing here. Oh, that jackass, yeah. And so what happened to him um, was the backlash because people recognize that that kind of thinking is not only incorrect, it's divisive and it's stupid and it's not right. And he was uh, let go of his position because of the outcry that he got because because that's not that's not accurate. There were thriving civilizations here for a thousand years before the white man got here. They just believed differently. They lived differently. And we Queen, have to get back to that. That's right. Queen Charlotte Islands have uh, totem poles that date back 10,000 B.C., Really? Yeah. Wow. 10,000 years before Christ. So they've been wow. so the Indian way of life thrived here for a millennia, the two millennia. That's right. Yeah, and I like what you're saying too, like how do we get back to that? Um how do we like rebuild? And um it's easy for me, I know to start talking about all the things that took place and um, all the traumas that were put on the indigenous people of this land, you know, and all the lies that were put in the um, history books. And then everybody was forced to do that. So it, we were basically forced to do these things. And I could really go off on a lot of things that I have paperwork that people, families I knew in the villages, um, it went back to where they had to sign contracts saying that they gave up their traditional way of living and all this stuff just so they can be considered human. So they could, you know, and so I think about, and that wasn't that long from, you know, my period of life and my grandmother and them who suffered at that hand. And so I can feel this, anger that pools up within me and the thoughts of um i've been done wrong you know things have been taken and it's true but we have to learn how we can honor what has taken place allow truth to come to the top 
and then move forward in a better way. We have to write a new story because we're in a new era. And so we are almost like pioneers and we're learning how to come together on a different level where we're honoring all of it and not allowing that ugly stuff to be a part of it. So in some senses, we have to be able to see what's ugly to know how to move forward so that we don't continue being in that space. Does that make sense? Yep, break the cycle. That's right, break the cycle, see it for what it is. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I this think it's too by honoring that, honoring, acknowledgement. Somebody's been busy typing. Um, <laughs> I do believe that we have to earn it because nothing is for free. But on another note, I also believe that we need to keep our third eye open so that we are able to recognize the good and the bad ways. When the white people got here, there was plenty here. We just didn't have what I will say, the old time knowledge instilled in us and how to use it. And the European way is so much different than, than, than because you met or, um, Eric Wright, they had, we wanted to own stuff. And, and rather than the Indian, correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I believe that the Indian way is that you don't own the land. You live on the land. You are in harmony with the land. Is that, is, am I right? You live on harmony with the land, but you are like aware of the resources that land, that land bears. And there were wars that were raged for the use of those resources. Definitely. So, and then, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, Chief Seattle, something in the effect of man does not own the earth, the earth, man, the earth owns man, something of that effect, that our place is equal to everything else living here. We don't, we're not ownership of it. So I think back to um, the hunting grounds and the fishing grounds and the berry gathering spots that um, people would put totem poles up on these different places that would say that their family had the right to these particular hunting spots. So they're cultivating it. They don't necessarily own it, but they are the ones that um, are out cultivating it. And there was a respect but it wasn't like an ownership. So there was some degree, and I don't completely understand it 100%, but I know that those lines were passed on and more times than not, even like when we do canoe journey and stuff, um, we approach the land if we're from another tribe or another group and we ask permission to come onto the land. And then when, if we are welcomed onto that land, maybe they're going to give us a song and we're going to give them a feast, you know? And so there was this different way of being that was respectful of like, I see that you have established your place here, your family lives here, and this is where you hunt. And I'm not just going to come in and take all your stuff. Does that make sense? Yep. Mm -hmm. It does. Uh, Matt? In essence, the initial concept of the original Thanksgiving. Yeah. I, I'm not sure. Somebody enlightened me. What was the original concept? The concept is the white people received a welcome wagon from the Native American. They received that because at the time, with the exception of coming uninvited, initially they were surviving instead of entroaching. So they met halfway, and it started off on that foot of 
acceptance and understanding and trading at Thanksgiving, the Native American helping that first step. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Matt, Matt no. I love you like a brother, but I got to step in here. <laughs> I figured you Truly. Might. Yeah, truly, man. There's a lot of misinformation about that because of, of the, the political system that, you know, conquered the area. So they, they rewrote some of that history. But, but the story goes that um, the white people were not doing very well. They were not doing very well when they got here. And the Indians, as big of a hearts and, and innocent to what was going to happen to them in, in just, you know, a, a few decades, was uh, not aware of what was going to happen. So they saw these poor people suffering. So... They, they um, decided to help them, teach them how to hunt, brought them some uh, food and started to show them how to use the resources at hand, how to hunt and gather resources at hand so that they could, they could make it through the winter. Now, the Indians, you know, at the time, the natives at the time, they, they like uh, the sensibilities like to hang out. They like to party a little bit. So they, they kind of overstayed their welcome. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't just a, a weekend, you know, it turned into a few weeks. So they brought enough food and they started teaching these people. And over the course of a, a few weeks, uh, the white people being nervous about being around these strange indigenous people that they were concerned had a little bit of an evil streak, wanted to kick them out. So there were some hard feelings about the whole thing, but it really came down to the natives in the area did rescue and help these people make it through a very rough first winter. And that's there was, what I was saying. Yeah. Oh, it was. Okay. That's I what I was that. saying, yes. Yeah. Initially, the way the Native American, the Indian, help one another based on when you entroached on their territory, they initially showed goodwill with understanding not knowing the ugly domino theory that was going to happen in the long run. There you go. Did I word that right? There you go. That yeah. that's perfect. That's exactly it. That's yeah, and exactly then you know, because we trusted, we had our code of ethics, our code of honor. That you know, your honor was everything, and if you broke that, then that's no good. So we never expected that from another tribe that would do that. And again, like Eric was saying, when those codes are broken, then they did get the boot, you know, at some point. But it wasn't just because they crossed one line. They probably crossed multiple lines, you know, and then they got the boot. <laughs> I know up in Kassan or Alaska, some um, young people, when they did things that they shouldn't do, got banned to an island. They had to go think about it for a while on an island. They got time out. <laughs> and that was just within the tribe, you know? And then they had to go figure out how to live. So, yeah, Amazing. interesting. Boy, Katrina's got some interesting thoughts here. I want to read this again. Or not again, but uh, I've always asked for the land. I've always asked permission for the land for me to hunt for food, for resources to build, and for medicine. I've been a caregiver for 22 years, and if there's one thing I've learned, not only spiritually can someone be healed, but Mother Earth can provide. And that really is, is the gist of what what you know, Georgia, from what, what uh, um, your, the work that you've done in medicinal uh, um, 
medicines and and things that you get from the earth that can help people right yes absolutely um and that's part of what i teach you know that we not only do we ask permission that's definitely a wonderful thing when you develop that relationship with the plants that you can sense like you know should i be harvesting here there's definitely things that you can take into consideration is like does this plant grow in abundance you know it if it's common in our area, can I feel good about taking these? So again, going back to the ethical harvesting and how to help propagate it and how to help care for it. So that way we can feel good because the earth does provide everything we need. You know, that independence, that relationship with it, where when you know certain skills that you don't have to fear, you have no fear because what is there to fear? exactly and and matt's become a master fisherman too um and stuff so go ahead matt what became of the buffalo or almost became serves as a perfect bad example and, and well exactly if, if if nobody's ever watched the movie dances with wolves i highly encourage that you go watch that movie because there's there's some moments in it where the white people came and they and they uh, they took the, the buffalo and they they left the buffalo there and uh, took the hides and uh, the Indians correct me if I'm wrong Georgia but didn't didn't in the old ways didn't they use every bit of the animal that they took and they never took what they would not oh, use yeah yeah yes I mean tools out of bones I've even done it myself uh, like I said I'm a survival instructor or have been for 10 years um do bow drill make primitive tools and spears and stuff um you can make glue out of the hide you can use the sinews for sewing i mean everything man i pray before i ever cast a line to catch trout and in my mind, I have my list on who will get what based on what does or does not come in. And then I cook in bulk and I share with the neighbors, the seniors, my daughter and that. And so these are meals that are a form of a Thanksgiving, a gift. And I'm very proud I got them. I'm proud I was allowed to be there to get them. You know, I do have to compliment you, Matt, because I do know that you give quite a little bit to uh, uh, some, you live in a senior park and you help. Uh, some of the seniors who don't have much that are on a fixed income and uh, don't need, some of them don't have a lot of food and you help with that and you provide fish for them. And, and I, I, I think that's a wonderful thing that you do. And I know Eric does as well. I caught on many years ago that I have one oar in the water, but if I start sending it out to my fellow man, my fellow human being, then I get chefs surprise coming back. That's the only way I've advanced. And I think that's a lesson we all learn. How long until you finally get it? Uh, that's a lesson that a lot of people haven't learned yet, because if you learn that, then the world would be a different place. Don't you guys think? Yep. 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 And that's what we're doing now. We're working on it. We're trying to figure out, you know, how we navigate through it and we're doing it because we're looking at, you know, it's like one of those things I always talk about finding the balance. We have to look at the negative a little bit, try to move forward, heal, but we have to be aware of all the good that is there too and allow the good to outweigh the bad so that we can continue to heal in our own selves. You know, we can't be full of bitterness and hate and 
pain and all that. We need to find that balance. And I think this is a great place to start on that. It's a nice thing you got going here, Kevin. Taylor, what do you think? <laughs> I, I'm just I'm 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 absorbing and learning right now. You know, I'm just thrilled. It's an excitement to have her on here, and I want to continue. You know, to have you on here and to grow with this um, experience that we're all sharing today because this is this is magical. And I told Kevin this today when we got on, and I was like, today's just today's magical. You know, <laughs> um, let's we're just gonna go for it, go with the flow because this is just awesome. I love learning and and. Not, not only am I learning, but other people are learning right now as well. So if I can, if we, if I, if we can impact just one person a day, we're making a difference and we're doing that right now. We're making a difference. And I absolutely love it. And we should have had her on the show. She's got a lot to say. No, we can't keep all the bitterness. We can't keep all the bitterness and hate. As I said before, we need to spread happiness and love. You, you'd be amazed how much love can, how much love can heal. And she's absolutely right. Love is uh, um, and positive emotions and positive energy can help people. Which is why the podcast is we're declaring our independence from hate, division, and fear, uh, because we don't need any of that anymore. We can we can live in in love and light, as uh, uh, Kayla said, and uh, we can all work together. For the betterment of all of us and we're coming to a point in time uh to where we have very little choice um if we don't make changes now uh the the, the devastation that we are wreaking on the planet is irreparable so mm -hmm. we have to we have to talk about it and we have to deal with it and georgia i would like to i would like to offer you the opportunity to uh for us to do more of these podcasts so that you can explain to me what the hell lettuce that you can pick up off the ground is and how you find it and all that kind of stuff because i'm i'm so yeah. clueless and i think that would be good that'd be great yes man i would like to ask an open question for the native culture from the outside looking in because if i have any i don't have enough of it we all know to respect Indian burial grounds, and throughout our lives we've heard stories, and I've met my share of people that had stories, and they have to do with hearing, smelling, and sometimes seeing if you dare trespass, so to say. And so just right there, what you girls would have to say about that. I wouldn't do it. I, oh, no, I don't advise doing it. Just there are so many stories and just what your culture has to say about that. Wow, that's uh, another one of those big uh, things there. So you think about spirituality and the other world and the people who have passed over. Um, and then that raises up the question is what kind of life is after death? You know, um, growing up in the village, I know I've seen some things and experienced some things, and I feel like there could be some truth to that. And it depends on, uh, I feel, whose grave you're at, like how spiritual were there, what kind of things took place there. I really believe that some energy can go into the earth if people put up blocks or curses or say, you know, I mean, yeah, if you're out there disrespecting it, I do believe that something's going to happen. I mean, one time I have a story 
of a time when I grew up playing in our old longhouse out there before it was restored, you know, and me and my brothers and sisters, it's a native village, but here we are, we're going to go up there and we decide we want to play Indians. <laughs> kind of funny, but <laughs> so we're up there and we're going around the fire pit and we're just like doing the typical fake Indian sound like, and my dad used to dance and sing and do these things. And we, um, started saying this chant that he used to say. And all of a sudden our mouths and our eyes were like they were on fire, like they were burning. And all of us kids ran out of the longhouse and went down to the river and were splashing our faces to get it all off us. And so we went home and we told my mom and my mom's like, oh, it was probably just the old dust in the place. And it's like, dude, we've been there a whole bunch of times and that's never happened, you know? And so it's really hard to, think that that stuff exists if you've never had any personal experiences yourself, you know, but I definitely believe that there's a number of different manifestations that could happen. And if you're out there disrespecting it, I would definitely think about what kind of karma comes back at you. Yeah. Matt, go ahead. And I, I can honestly say that every adult I've known and I'm 63 Every adult I've known that touched off on this subject, regardless of their ethnic background, were all in agreement that the Native American spirit is alive and well, and it will get your attention if they are present or if you are causing a violation of some sort. And from there, we would all have a few stories to throw in. Yeah, yeah. Perhaps so. Perhaps. More aware than others. You know, uh, Winston has got a great question for you, Georgie. And what is your favorite, your favorite thing to forage? What do you like to eat that you pick up off the ground or under the ground or off the trees? Um, well, definitely mushrooms is one of my favorite things to get out and eat from the forest. As far as the food portion of it goes, just because it's full of so much protein. And um, I've been on survival trips where... I could eat just a tiny piece of mushroom and feel the energy restoring back to my body if I didn't have a lot of meat or anything. So mushrooms definitely one of the my favorites. You know what I think you should do, uh, Georgie, is is uh, advise a show like you know Naked and Afraid. Those people <laughs> that, they they drop people into the woods naked and they're, they're yeah, supposed yeah. to forage for themselves and stuff. I I think they'd pay you money to 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 help them out. Oh, that would be fun, huh? <laughs> as long as I'm not out there doing it. I've done it enough times. I know what it's like to be out there with nothing. <laughs> I mean, I used to take a group of students on a survival trek. I mean, you find food. You know how you can make it more comfortable. I mean, I'm getting up there. I'm getting too old for that stuff, but I wouldn't mind helping them out figuring out how to do it. <laughs> oh, very nice. Very nice. So, um, Eric, any, anything that you'd like to add real quick and then Matt? Oh, gosh. Go ahead, Matt. This is the day and age of highlighting today's chef. And we remember Yule Gibbons a few years ago. You've really got something here. I could see you having a fun cooking show where, like Graham Kerr, when it's all said and done, the <laughs> audience gets to taste a little bit of it. And I'm, I'm serious about that. Yeah, that could be fun. Yeah. That'd be, that'd be great fun. That, that, that would be very interesting to know what's in our our backyards and stuff because you know in in i was a cub scout i was a boy scout nobody taught us anything about that 
Right. Yeah. No, I mean, um, last year I had to teach uh, my portion of the class online and it was such a struggle because I do a lot like plant walks. I mean, I definitely would have to up my equipment, you know, like trying to show somebody a plant with your laptop screen is kind of uh, doesn't work very well. But yeah, plant walks, getting out, knowing what's in your backyard. There's so much that you could know and learn and not have to go anywhere to go foraging. You get a handful of these um, wild edibles that grow abundantly, like chickweed grows in everybody's yard. I'm sure of it. And plantain, two of my favorites. Um, nettles, dandelion. I know we hear about those all the time, but they're there and they're chock full of nutrition. There's multiple ways you can use it. You know, I mean, why not use those? Why not utilize them? You can eat nettles. Oh, heck yeah. Stinging nettles. They're full of iron and calcium and all kinds of vitamins and minerals. Wow. See, I need to have you on so that you can educate me. I, make I don't know wild, any of that stuff. I make a wild pesto. It's my favorite. It's so good. Ooh, that sounds good. See, now, now, I once made slugs. <laughs> you, you can make slugs in, in replacement of escargot. Yeah, you just take the well, black garden slugs and boil the slime off them, and, and you got uh, a poor man's escargot. I've heard of that. I mean, I have been tempted to try it a few times, but as far as I got was licking a slug. So Was it? Was it a banana slug? It was one of those ones that kind of make your tongue feel numb. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. it might be. I don't know which one it was, but it was a yeah. dare. <laughs> but you I had, you I actually had, licked a slug? I, I licked the slug, but you know, it wasn't that bad because it doesn't stick to you because you know, your tongue is wet. <laughs> yeah. I also I mean, ate a tadpole out of the lake, which I should have thought about because you know, ooh, yeah. Not did it swim down your throat? No, no, no. I chewed it. <laughs> did you? Oh. Yeah. And then I thought, wow, I could have got Giardia. So I ate some uh, Oregon grape to combat that just in case. <laughs> Didn't get it. So I'm good. <laughs> yeah, I got a few stories, <laughs> weird ones. I guess so, yeah. I I've eaten so. a lot of stuff, but you well, can make some good stuff too, so you don't have to eat slugs. Thank God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's that would I I'm, I'm, no. Uh, no. Kevin, someday I gotta feed you a slug. Yeah. <laughs> You're gonna have to tie me down and <laughs> and tie and make my mouth open for me to eat it. Uh, no, no. That would be oh. a question to ask my sister how that went because we were daring each other when we were younger. I ate a worm. I'll put that out there. She ate cool. a slug. Oh, oh my poor God. Poor thing. She comes walking up to my... <laughs> now, my brother one time, he thought that he had a great way of doing something wonderful. So he bought, uh, he bought some worms and he uh, put them on a cookie sheet and dried them out, and then uh, put them in a blender and made a protein powder out of them. Wow! And of course, that. he thought he thought he could sell them everywhere, but then when they found out that there were actually worms in the protein, <laughs> it didn't didn't us white people didn't eat it. Well, what was what the flavor was like? I mean, like, hey, there's, there's, there's a company down in Oregon, I think, outside of Portland, that was growing crickets. And crickets, the square footage that you need to grow a pound of protein versus cows is 
like there's a huge difference. So it's environmentally more friendly to grow a pound of cricket protein than it is cow protein. And wow. they were actually going to sell this at uh, Safeco Field. And they, they had did. different. No, they yeah. did, as a matter of fact. And how did that go? Because I haven't heard a thing. So maybe that has something to do with COVID. Yeah, yeah, they, they, in in this this season, I don't know, but they they did do it, and they had chocolate covered crickets. I think is what they had, but I'm not sure. Is that right? They had something. They had something. A little bit of so. crunch. Little yeah, little. crickets really aren't that bad. I've eaten them all different ways, like you, season. Yeah, you've eaten, you've eaten crickets. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the worst oh. part is you just take off those back legs because they get weird, like you yeah. know, or just yeah. cook them up stringy. Yeah, they're not my favorite. I mean, there's a lot of other food out there that I think is a little better than crickets. Like, we've eaten all kinds of different birds. I love that statement. Don't eat, don't eat mice. <laughs> oh, I tell you. Oh. Yes, eaten a cricket before. Help Kayla, me. have you eaten crickets before? Yes, I have. There's actually a um, meat factory um, here in <laughs> Marysville by Tulalip. And they have crickets, um, worms, scorpions, and a sucker. Scorpions? Um, oh, yeah, and a sucker, cool yeah. yeah. So when, you, so when you that. ate crickets, was there like uh, a, uh, uh, was there like pot involved with at one point? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> no. My son, my son Winston and I, we all picked him out just for the fun of it, just to try that, it. Fun, you know, man. he's Filipino, so I mean, if he makes me eat chicken and dobo and anything else, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna try it once at least. You know, nice. Yeah, go. gotta be adventurous. Gotta be adventurous with your food. You never know. Oh, Until yeah, I'm yeah. allergic to squid and then start getting red and you know blow up like a fish. So yeah. yeah. Well, you know, guys, I could I could talk with you guys all day long, but we're gonna. I have a prayer though. I have a prayer though. Yes, sir. I would like to because this is a prayer that we've always ended our our meetings with. So I'd like to say it on this. If this is where we're gonna end, it, it needs to be. But we're gonna go around the table and everybody gets a closing thought. So this could be your closing thought. This will be my closing thought. And I, I don't speak Lachutzi, not enough to you know make it sound like Lachutzi. So I'll say it in English. Uh, I am thankful for this day. I am thankful for this life. I am thankful for this life. I am thankful for all things. Fix my mind. Fix my body. Fix my soul. You make them one. And I will be fine in this life. So be it. So be it. Oh, so be it. So I'd like to uh, offer each of you the opportunity, as as uh, Eric just did, to have a closing thought before we go, and 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 it can be about anything that your little heart desires, Matthew. This is my favorite show so far, and we're barely scratching the surface. Periodically, let's address this topic again. The girls were just fabulous. I love it. Thank you. And you're, you're becoming a very big part of this show, Matt, and you're always welcome here. Thank you, Matt. I appreciate it. Kayla, my dear? I just want to thank everyone who was listening today and thank my Aunt Georgie for being a big part of this today. And um, just remember to fill your life with nothing but love and, love and light and go with the flow because each day is just a different journey. So embark it and, and just go with it. Mm. 
And Kayla told me that I'd be taken with you, Georgie, and she was absolutely right. You, you're, you are welcome back anytime you choose to, and and I would love for you to be a major part of this because education is what we all need. Mm. Thank you, thank you so much. Um, yeah, I just want to say thank you guys back. This is um, when Kayla brought this up. I was like, yes, I just felt right and. It, what she was saying about it is true. It's a beautiful place where people can come together and begin the healing journey and to really put light and love and find, you know, start foraging the way through it and sharing our different knowledges as we come together and how inspiring it is to even for me to see where Kayla has come from and the woman she's becoming, you know, and allowing her light to really be out there and what a powerhouse she is. So we're thankful for that. And may we all just go forward in this life on our journey and be gentle with ourselves and others. And at the end of the day, at the end of your life, when it's all over and you are going to go to the other side and you're going to meet the guides and you're going to meet the other side, go without having any regrets. Leave it all on the table with the possible exception of eating slugs. You can leave that on the table if you want to. <laughs> but, but leave, leave your life, lead your life in a full way. Take care of each other. Take care of yourselves. Be kind. And we love you all. And uh, if everybody will stay right there, I'll be right back. Hey, and thanks for listening to this episode all the way to the end. Hey, pretty cool. Hey, don't forget to follow us so you can receive regular updates and new posts. And remember, take care of each other because each other's all we've got. See you next time on My Independence Report.